listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of ESL Talk. We hope you're enjoying season two so far, and we really want to thank you all for your support. We are really growing week by week. Yeah, we are. And this week, we're covering the topic of how to create effective resources for your students. We'll be speaking to our special guest, Crystal. We'll talk about her journey from teacher to content creator and now owner of her very own resources website. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I think we can both appreciate the time and effort it goes into making great resources for students, right? Mm -hmm. it, so it's going to be great to hear from Crystal and from each other. It's really time consuming. So yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> any tips will be really useful. Um, so Faye, can you just tell me first of how do you go about creating resources and, and making sure they're a good fit for your students? You know, this is definitely a skill I've fine-tuned over time. It, it takes time to master it. I, don't, I wouldn't say I am a master at it, but um, the first step for me has always been to define my aim with the material I'm creating. Um, I know sometimes we try to start with, oh, I found this really cool video or I found this really cool text I want to use, but you need, really need to have a clear aim. So once you have an aim, I always do some research to see what's already out there to get mm -hmm. some ideas, right? And identify some gaps that my material can fill. There's no point in creating something that's already been done, uh, but also uh, it's good to use um, a ref reference materials as well because you don't need to create it all from scratch. So for that, I try to keep my reference materials organized into folders on my computer for easy access. Like there's so much out there online. So if you can right. keep it all organized, it's really going to help you. And we've mentioned this in previous episodes, but it's really worth repeating here. Like uh, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. 
Right. You know, as teachers, we often want to be original and like, or, or feel like we should know it all. We should be able to do it all. But really, there's so much material out there for inspiration and guidance, um, especially when you're starting out. And um, what about you, Daniel? What's your approach when it comes to creating resources? Yeah, I mean, I teach such a wide range of different students and I teach so many different things. It's quite difficult. Um, there are some really great websites, you know, tests, a TES, which is a UK one, which has a lot of really good um, kind of language arts and literature um, mm. materials, I would say that's a great one. And then for younger learners and children, there's one called Twinkle, which I use sometimes as well. Mm. Um, and then there's just different ranges for IELTS. There's tons of IELTS websites, some great, some not so great. Um, mm -hmm. And then I combine that with my own textbooks, my own kind of materials that I've gathered over the years. So mm. the planning process for me is knowing the student knowing what they need and mm -hmm. drawing from all of those things instead of just drawing from one or two things because mm -hmm. if I'm teaching a lesson uh, you know 10 times I don't want it to be the same every single time for my sake and also mm -hmm. every student should be treated differently like you said we can't have a one size fits all approach that just doesn't work um, and again if I was a student I want I wouldn't want the same activities every single lesson so again I'll draw from a different range of 10 or 12 different sources and I'll pick out what I think suitable for that lesson or for that mm -hmm. student um, so yeah I think that's probably the best way to kind of do that but everyone's different and some people might just need simple conversations so you can mm -hmm. bring some questions um, some might need more specific um, material so it just really Really depends on your student and knowing your student as well. It sounds like we have similar approaches in that mm -hmm. sense. It kind of seems like the most um, efficient way of doing it, right? Well, it sounds simple, but some mm -hmm. teachers just will go to a, they'll Google something and download a worksheet and spend 40 minutes on that. And that's probably not the best use of your or your students' time, mm -hmm. maybe mm -hmm. as a homework or a five minute starter activity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think if you have, you're only as good as your material and your content, you know, mm -hmm. you can have great skills as a teacher, but if the content and material doesn't complement that, then there's going to be a bit of a disconnect and it might affect yeah. the outcomes for your learners. Yeah, yeah. So definitely good to use what's out there, but know what your goals and your students' goals are and mm -hmm. adapt. So uh, can you give me a more specific example of how you would adapt or change your resources according to the type of student you have? Yeah. So one example I could think of is um, I teach a lot of IELTS classes and even though I'm essentially teaching the same four skills, depending on the student, it'll be very different um, because we might need to focus more on speaking or listening or reading or writing. Um, so some of the lessons that I teach with adults, older, more mature learners, it'll be much more um, academic focused in terms of we'll do writing tasks in class, we'll do more debate and discussion uh, type things in class, and we'll spend more time on vocabulary and pronunciation, um, for example. Uh, with young younger learners, you know, maybe teen or younger uh, adults, maybe like, you know, early 20s. With them, I know they'll respond better to short videos or, mm. you know, things that might make them think or kind of, you know, have an opinion about something because a lot of time with younger learners, they might not necessarily have the, the ability to be able to express themselves at length. So if we, we have to kind of build it a little bit differently. So with that, I'll start off with vocabulary. I'll start off with a short video, a few simple questions. And then once they've built up that knowledge, that background knowledge that, that adults might have, then we can start to go into more detail. So that's one example. 
So Faye, tell me, how do you structure lessons for students? Is it more visual? Is it more audible? Or is it a little bit of both? Um, that's a good question, because I, I must admit, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. We've talked about this before, but <laughs> especially when it comes. Yeah. But for me, it's especially the case when it comes to how my materials look, uh, probably because of my background in design. I kind of feel like I have to create something that's visually appealing. I, uh, my degree has to be worth something, <laughs> at least for that. So I spend way too much time looking for the perfect font sometimes or the perfect picture to go with my materials. You know, I really want to make it visually appealing to my students. Uh, but overall, um, in terms of that, I try to keep the material clean without too much information to distract from the content, right? The content is the most important thing but it should be presented in a visually pleasing way. So another important point I wanted to say, going back to the fonts, this is something that not everybody realizes, but it's always better to use a serif font for yeah. longer chunks of text. So kind of, those are the fonts that have the little feet, like um, right. Times New Roman is the most popular yeah. default font. Times right, New know? Roman and Arial, yeah. those are the ones I see the most with. From yeah, students, so yeah. like Arial, for instance, that's a good, like those, those are obviously like the, the most basic fonts, but Arial would be like good for shorter uh, writing for students to read or for uh, questions and things like that. But if you have a long text, you really want to use something like Times New Roman. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot easier for the reader to comprehend, less tiring for your brain. And really important when your students um, speak languages whose alphabet uh, is not Roman, like English, right. right? That's a really good point. And I think, again, this is probably the first time I've really thought about this. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't consciously thought about font per se. I mm -hmm. always try to have simple to read fonts like Calibri or Tahoma. Those are my two go-tos. Mm -hmm. This is, yeah, definitely. Because if, if students process language or they have a different kind of root of their language, then yeah, this, this is a really important yeah. consideration. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like when you write on the whiteboard, when I started teaching, I started teaching mm -hmm. in Brazil and, and cursive writing is huge there. It's right. like the proper way to write, let's say. Um, and I remember when I started teaching in Canada, my first lesson was to a bunch of um, elderly Chinese and Korean ladies. Um, and they could not read what I wrote on the board. Right, and then right. my my trainer told me, you have to change how you write because they don't they can't read cursive writing. I'm like, right. obviously, that's not their first language. They, they didn't learn cursive writing. It's not fair for me to do that to them. So, yeah. yeah. And that's true because, you know, Korean as a language, that's a language I speak pretty well. And mm -hmm. that system is, you know, block system, yep. letter by letter or sound by sound so that would make mm -hmm. sense and that kind of ties into what you just said so that's mm -hmm. a really cool insight um mm -hmm. Faye, are there any specific tools or platforms that you would use to help you with the design process yeah well i was talking about fonts so i, I, I could make a couple recommendations uh, for websites i think would be helpful for our listeners um if you are a font freak like me, <laughs> um, I do recommend a website called Dafont. It's D-A font. Um, they have tons of free fonts. There are some paid ones as well, but there's a lot that's free there. And they also have a lot of those dingbat style fonts, you know, right. kind of like those wingdings, webdings, <laughs> things like that, that I think are really useful for when you want to create a vocabulary a worksheet or you need a decorative element. Um, and then you don't really need to use any design software. You can just use the Microsoft Word or Pages or on Apple. 
And there are also a couple of websites I like to use for uh, stock photos, free stock photos. Mm. Like I said, I think using like, like cool images or like really images that will really represent your topic and will be even good for um, setting the scene for your topic right before you get started. So a couple of websites I really like are uh, one of them is called Pexels. Mm -hmm. It's like P-E-X-E-L-S. Right. Uh, I don't know if you've, you've probably used that before. And they have tons of free uh, photos as well. And you can search for any topic you like, people or no people, or just like things and uh, uh, and landscapes or whatever you want to uh, search for. And another one I just found out recently is called nappy.co, not to con <laughs> confuse with nappy.com, because that's a website for diapers in the UK. Right, right. right. <laughs> it's nappy, N-A-P-P-Y.co, C-O. And they feature stock photos featuring only uh, black and brown models um, to kind of fill that gap in the stock photo market. Like it's so easy to find That's white, awesome. blonde-haired models for yeah. your stock photos. But right, right. we should add variety to our materials because our students, I mean, people are all different yeah. and, and you, wanna, you, you know, be more inclusive those, in that sense. Yeah, exactly. You want to avoid those kind of stereotypes and, and yeah. open our students' minds where we can as well. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome. All and right. do you have any tips for tools for designing or finding source materials or anything like that, Daniel? Yeah, so I kind of mentioned before my go-tos for resources are tests, which I also sell my resources on, which is mm -hmm. a nice little side um, hustle of mine for teachers. Um, and then I said Twinkle as well. Um, I guess Canva can be really good. That's pretty mm -hmm. easy to use. And if we're doing something quite... Um, you know, sophisticated or we want to stand out, then we could use that. But mm -hmm. these are quite time consuming. So mm -hmm. um, when it comes to source materials, good textbooks are great. Um, Ebooks are great. You know, definitely make the most of your Amazon Prime account if you have it, because there's mm -hmm. a lot of great um, free ebooks or very cheap ebooks and also audiobooks. So Audible is another great source mm -hmm. as well. Um, there's a lot of really good teaching books that are available on there and also really good audiobooks you could suggest for your learners as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think, you know, start off with a good Google search. That's fine, but mm -hmm. make sure that the websites you're using are relevant and they're going to match the learner's needs. When mm -hmm. it comes to learning English, my go-tos for reading are Breaking News English because it has yeah. differentiated articles, different levels, activities. Mm -hmm. Listening, I would go to um, a website called Listen and Write. So not only is it listening, it's also writing. So you'll choose an activity, a, a video or a podcast or a news clip um, and within that it'll stop you at certain points and you have to type in the words or mm. match the vocabulary or kind of you know really check your listening and your comprehension skills um, mm. another great one probably one of my favorites it's called Uglish so YouTube oh, yeah. English combined together so when you hear an expression or a phrase you're not familiar with or you're not too sure about you can just put it into Uglish and it will show you that clip of that phrase in context in a tv show or you know whatever else it is um and yeah i would say those are the go-tos and my last one that i suggest is one called elo e-l-l-l-o mm -hmm. so three l's and that's really nice because it has a lot of natural conversations with you know little activities and checks and transcripts etc so those are just a few there is a lot more um but i think mm -hmm. for our learners they could probably every teacher could use those in some ways for their yeah. learners 
Yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, uh, Euglish is a really, really useful one. I'd actually forgotten about that one. Yeah. Um, but you touched on something interesting I just want to make a comment on, which is, um, like you mentioned Canva and things like that for design. They can be very time-consuming. So one thing I'd say, and you said that too, just stick to something simple to start with, right? right. And yeah. do what you know. So if you're familiar with uh, using words, uh, Microsoft Word, just mm-hmm. do that to start with. Don't try yeah. to learn. All, like, all of my all of my lessons and courses that I've developed, they're all PowerPoint with yeah. Word documents, but I put a few graphical elements in there and, yeah. you know, messed around with a few templates. And once you get your style that you like that works well, then go with it mm-hmm. because you don't want to start from scratch every single time. All right, already some great discussion and we're just getting started. So let's now hear from a special guest, Crystal, who's going to give us some insight into how to create and utilize effective resources for her learners. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hello, Crystal. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me, Faye. It's a real honor to be asked to be here. Yeah, thank you, Crystal. We're really looking forward to hearing about how to create effective resources for our ESL learners. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. So, Crystal, could you start by giving us a brief introduction of your professional journey so far? Sure. Um, It's a little hard to keep it brief because (laughs) it kind of spans about 15 years. Like many people after undergrad, I didn't know what to do with an English degree. And so I decided to combine that with traveling the world and ended up heading off to Japan, where I taught uh, ESL in private settings for children. And from there, went to Germany, 
for a short stint and I've ended up here in the UK, even though, of course, I am Canadian. And um, when I got here, I again found myself at a crossroads. I loved teaching, so I thought I would segue that into public school teaching. And I obtained qualified teacher status in the UK to teach secondary English, which I have to say, I hated. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we have that in common as well. Um, I didn't, I, it's not so much the children or the teaching itself that I didn't like. It's all the bureaucracy and and Mm. sort of form filling and that background stuff that Mm -hmm. got in the way. So after about five years of that, I quite eagerly took an extended hiatus from teaching to start family. Mm -hmm. And I was off for several years. And then right around the time when I would naturally start to think about going back into work, the online ESL industry was really picking up. So I sort of had my eye on it for a little while. And when my youngest went off to preschool, I took the plunge and started teaching as a contracted ESL teacher online, Mm -hmm. which I did for couple of years and then I segued into freelance and that jump was actually down to COVID because my husband sadly lost his job and I realized that as a contracted ESL teacher there was a real ceiling to what I could earn Mm -hmm. for my work whereas if you put the legwork in on the freelance side the sky's the limit more Mm -hmm. or less but what I found in that transition was that there's also a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes in freelance Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and some of it was curriculum development and being you know taking back the sort of school teacher roots and that formal qualification, I decided to segue that career into curriculum design because I felt like I could help more freelance teachers by providing resources. Wow. That sounds like a a great journey. Actually, it sounds like we have quite a bit in common too. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, because I've recently also taken a break to start a family and all that. And with COVID and everything happening, the online teaching world and being more, let's say, having more of the freedom to be autonomous in that sense online definitely has its appeal. So right. yes, but you, you seem to be doing really well. So Thanks. we'd love to hear from you. And uh, we'd love to hear, first of all, why do you think it's so crucial that students have engaging and relevant ESL resources? Well, I mean, the short answer to that one, Faye, is that so they learn. <laughs> Mm -hmm. (laughs) basically so that they learn and that they retain that learning and so that they progress in their language acquisition. But the longer answer is that you get students coming into your online classroom that learn in so many different ways. Some are Mm -hmm. auditory learners, others are kinesthetic, et cetera, et cetera. But we're really hampered by this 2D learning space. We need to create some kind of 3D Um, course content for our students by Mm -hmm. offering a wide range of activities. Even if it's older or more advanced learners, they still need to be able to move and manipulate the language Mm -hmm. to experiment with it, to practice that multi-sensory input and output to really cement their progress. Mm -hmm. So by making the learning relevant, you're innately boosting their retention because you've also gained their interest. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very true. Great, great insight there. Absolutely. I, you know, I see so many different uh, online teaching jobs where, you know, the companies will say we provide everything for you, but it's a one size fits all approach, which doesn't apply to students because everyone learns differently. Everyone's at different levels and so on. Right. So it sounds like you're really trying. I I do agree with that in a, in Mm -hmm. a sense, because, um, 
coming from the contracted ESL world, that is very much what I had Absolutely. to abide, right? Yeah. You're given your 25 slides and you have to cover all 25 slides. You have to finish at that 25 minute mark. And, you know, it is very much one size fits all. But mm -hmm. the thing to keep in mind is that a dynamic curriculum can be adapted for any student. Absolutely. So as long as you're pitching yeah. the right yeah. level uh, and a teacher with experience can adapt the, the curriculum and the lessons to suit their students literally on the fly. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's very true. And this kind of ties into the next question I have, Crystal, right. which is about the quality of the resources, because I would agree that you're only as good as your resources. However, you once you have that skill and those kind of abilities to adapt things and make things more kind of suitable for your learners, um, that can definitely make a big difference. So how crucial is it for students to have the real high quality resources they can access online? It's very crucial. I mean, to take it back a step, as a qualified teacher, I define a quality resource by long-term planning. So having that idea at the back of each lesson of where they've been, where they are now, where they're going content-wise, to make sure that you're covering the full spectrum of topics mm -hmm. as you go along and that it's easily adaptable for the differences in your learning and that it's got regular repetition built in. So all of those things sort of qualify the quality resources that you mentioned. But I think it's important for us to provide these types of resources online. I mean, obviously to ensure learning, but also because the online ESL industry is really unregulated. Mm -hmm. Daniel, coming from the UK and the, and the teaching background that you have, mm -hmm. you know how regulated UK schools are. Yes. Right? It's which, insane. Which causes people to walk away because it's just, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. Snap. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm not by any means saying that that's the solution, but mm -hmm it's kind of not necessarily all one or all the other. Yeah, you can yeah. find a happy medium. Yeah. And I think that in order to raise the bar for the quality of online learning, we need to take it a step back and really put that planning and effort into those quality resources. Absolutely. Because like you said, we're basically self-regulating that, right? So there's Indeed. That, yeah. yeah, 100%. Nobody, yeah. And even more so if you're not working as a contracted teacher, because mm -hmm. it's literally you. There are far more freelance individual teachers than there are sort of like yeah. small scale language schools. Yeah, absolutely. But we are our own brand, right? And that's important too when you're thinking about your materials. So we want to create something that is engaging and exciting that students will remember. So maybe for our listeners, could you give us some examples or talk a little bit more about what, what kind of materials have you found best engage, best excite your learners and have the most success? Um, well, I can only really speak for the demographic that I teach, which mm -hmm. is their young learners. Um, that's sort of my niche. And for them, it's all about games and interaction through annotative features. So really getting them stuck into the material by circling or um, drawing a line, these sorts of games and activities. I love physical props for my mm -hmm. demographic. So my favorite is probably the little fake microphone to elicit um, some sort of exchange of interaction or dialogue. Mm -hmm. There's also a great use of um, 2D, 2D props available. So anything really to make online slides come to life. Mm -hmm. For me, that means, you know, singing and goofiness and laughter. But I guess the answer there isn't so much about specific materials because my curriculum builds in the opportunities, but it's up to the teacher's personality mm -hmm. to make them shine. 
Yeah, and honestly, like I've only ever taught um, adult learners or, or let's say maybe older teens, but everything you've said applies to all of my classes basically. So it, really? it's not that different, I think. If you want to oh, engage wow. your learners, you have to be a bit goofy, a bit playful. Mm -hmm. They need Absolutely. to feel like they're interacting with each other, with you. Games yep. have always been really successful with adults, right? Right, Daniel, what do you? I think find? I think a lot of the times older learners might not want to admit that they yeah. enjoy games <laughs> or that they enjoy, you know, competition. I think competition mm -hmm. is obviously as long as it's done in the right way is, is an awesome way to, yeah. to get students working with, you know, material and, and vocabulary. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think inside of us all is you know is is mm -hmm. that eight-year-old or nine-year-old who loves playing games Absolutely. so i think i think it, it and it's can, how it they learn too yeah. isn't yeah. it yeah. you know exactly. getting them to interact in that way um in a variety of ways actually yeah. helps them retain the information mm -hmm. yeah and now in a more practical uh, way what what kind of platforms or programs uh, do you use or do you think people can use to create this sort of engaging and effective materials Right. Okay. So my husband always teases me because when we first met and he saw my first resume, he noticed that it said that I was proficient in Microsoft Office. Uh, so many resumes maybe, say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is what I told him, but it might have been slightly inflated in yeah. my um, But that, all that to say that I have become really proficient in Good. Microsoft PowerPoint <laughs> and I uh, while I might not be in like Excel, which is crazy, um, there are there is a lot you can do with PowerPoint, and I really recommend it. If you can become familiar with the transitions and the animations, you can create course content that is really dynamic and engaging. So I would say as a starting point to just create some slides on PowerPoint. And depending on what platform you use, you can either embed or just um, navigate to them separately. But I love to integrate clips from YouTube or for adult learners, TED Talks and different mm -hmm. things like that are really great. Now, that said, um, I would say for every 25, 30 minutes worth of lesson time, you don't want to go over about three minutes worth of yes. audio or video clips mm -hmm. because it can be like a deterrent and that student oh, yeah. is paying for your time mm -hmm. as a teacher. And then I also use free imagery sites like Pixabay and Pexels to help put my um, course content uh, into like a visual uh, placement for the student. I just want to so, tell our learners, we did not tell Crystal to say all this because you're basically confirming most of the things week. we talked about. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. So, uh, yeah. Did you so also see talk we're about, on the same page? Oh, good. Yeah, that's perfect. Did you also talk about um, test apps? You can create your own tests. No, we actually didn't mention that, but that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So you there. can Google mm -hmm. them. There are tons out there like classmarker.com. Mm -hmm. I don't use them myself because my platform integrates testing, mm -hmm. but you can use tests in a lot of ways. You can use them as a plenary for the lesson, as a homework, summative mm -hmm. assessments. I find it a great feature to do a test in order to feedback to a client, like if it's a parent, not the student mm -hmm. themselves, mm -hmm. because the test will really signpost the progress so they right. can see where the student was from the last assessment up until this one and mm -hmm. you can make the tests really fun there's lots of test apps test apps out there that yeah. make them like gamified which is I've, great i've used um kahoot a lot yeah. in yes before um okay especially when you're doing a live group class which which could be done online but then they can sort of compete against each other and all that they're super easy to make yeah. that is a great idea but i think your point about uh, keeping it simple is something we mentioned as well like 
pick a, a software or something you're comfortable using, maybe not proficient yet, uh, yes. but, but just stick to that and just learn your way around it like you did with PowerPoint, right? So yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I'm yeah. going to take a Photoshop course and I've never even opened Photoshop before. It's like, <laughs> you're just going to get stressed out. And yes, really especially as you're starting out, you, you definitely want to keep it simple. And then you can overlay things too, right? <laughs> like, um, for example, I can run my Microsoft PowerPoint over Zoom, mm -hmm. and then I can overlay it with ManyCam or Google Slides, which mm -hmm. give me the opportunity for props, digital props, rewards. I can, if I don't have a big background, I can use that to create a digital background. Um, I love, for example, to use gifts in the classroom because not only are they eliciting understanding, but yeah. they're adding humor to my Absolutely. setting. So those are really fun if I can just whack them on screen and yeah. yeah That's awesome. Tips. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of things that I've kind of tried to implement as well. So thank you for sharing that. So obviously Crystal, you're now developing and you have, you've launched your own um, resources website and subscription service. So yes. a lot of the time students, especially when I was working in the UK is we need resources. We need stuff that's ready to go just out of the gate. So should we always edit and change downloaded content, even if it comes as ready to go, out of the box, should we still be cognizant of what we need to achieve in our lessons and make some edits if we need to, or should we just right. leave it as is? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously you should preface that scenario with abiding plagiarism law. Of course, yeah. <laughs> your words, your words, not mine. Yes, yeah. indeed. Like, um, just give credit where credit is due. But mm -hmm. yes, basically, um, you need as a teacher to adapt whatever material that you're using to suit that student. And I touched on that earlier, where once you develop a little bit of experience, you can really do that during the lesson, it doesn't need to take a load of planning and um, preparation. For example, um, I have one student, she's a little Chinese girl, she's six years old, and she attends um, in the daytimes an international kindergarten. So she's using English every day. But the problem is, She's using very spotty English because she's come at it as a Chinese speaker and she's only just started. And so there's this discord between her understanding and her spoken fluency mm -hmm. and inter understanding in terms of communi verbal communication. But she doesn't necessarily have the framework of the grammar and, and that sort of understanding behind her. So in terms of the curriculum, she's set at level two on mine, which is pre a one. So I quite often have to scale that up for her because she does understand it very well. So we're spending a lot of time on the foundations, like knowing how to do subject verb agreement in the simple present tense, uh -huh. because she still doesn't understand to add that S in the third person. But at the same time, she's telling me that she played with Holly and Oh, she told me today her friend's name is Morning. Holly and Morning, uh, they played ball on the playground today, which was like super advanced for yeah. level two. So yeah. it's definitely a case of adapting that material mm -hmm. to suit the student. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there can often be a mismatch between uh, skills as well, right? Some students have yes. high level comprehension skills, but very low level production. Um, so, Indeed, yeah, yes. That's very true. So tell us, Crystal, what were the factors that led you to creating your resources website? You've kind of touched on a few a few of the, the factors, but what was it that was kind of the, the, the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back and you said, right, that's it, I'm going to make my own website? 
So I guess at the heart of it is the fact that I'm both an online ESL teacher and a qualified English teacher myself. And um, one of the big things that I loved about contracted online ESL teaching was that I could literally like rock into my home office, turn on my PC and teach. There was no stress, no prep. And at the end of that lesson, I turn it off again and walk away. So when I did start freelancing, it was kind of a big shock in a way about how much planning and preparation was required. And I realized that I had to go back to my um, experience in schools and start planning really seriously. So um, what I also realized around the same time was that there are other teachers out there who might have the experience and know-how to create a curriculum, but they might not have the time, or they might not have the experience and know-how at all, but they want to have a go at this online teaching lark. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I felt like I could share the resources that I was creating and um, save some people time, fill a need in the market for step-by-step purpose-built lessons, because there's a lot of one-off material in the market where you can um, sort of go to a database of lessons and search by grammar skill and you'll pull up something fantastic, but where does that fit in an overarching cur- curriculum? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and basically just to enable new inexperienced or time-conscious teachers to launch as freelancers where they might not otherwise have had the confidence or time or ability to do so. And at the end of the day, because so much time is spent on planning and that time is not paid because we only get paid for our contact hours, mm-hmm. it's in a sense giving those teachers a raise because mm-hmm. they can either take on more students or have more free time by having, you know, a usable curriculum at their fingertips. Absolutely. It's so time consuming. I mean, it's taken me maybe three years to get my separate courses all lined up and all the materials there and differentiate. Three years. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. But I'm there now. So like you said, I can just rock in and (laughs) get to go. And yeah, Yeah. absolutely. It definitely comes with, with experience, but I think it can be very daunting for starting teachers. And uh, Mm. I mean, you, you've mentioned a lot of this already, um, like the, what the teachers are value and all that. Can you give us maybe some more practical tips for our listeners apart from your website? What other uh, uh, resources do you recommend for like quality, affordable materials that you think? Oh, are you want worth me to suggest out? a competition? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe somebody other websites that that provide yeah. something different than what you do, right? So yeah, um, more... I so I really like off to class. I think they have a lot of bits and pieces that are are good quality. I also came across a ton on the British Council website. Mm. They are particularly good for um, more advanced or adult learners. Yeah, that's true. Um, so they've got some great stuff. Again, though, they're um, bits of yeah, lessons. Exactly. You know what I mean? They're not. They're not a whole curriculum. Mm-hmm. They're more supplementary to something yes. that you're already doing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, you know, a quick Google search will turn up quite a few resources. Um, it just depends on what you're looking for. Are you looking for something that's downloadable mm-hmm. versus subscribable? Are you looking for something free or paid? And in many cases, the paid material is going to be of a higher quality than the free. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you know, you might try free and it's like a taster and then they want you to carry on with something paid, which to be fair is what I'm doing as well. 
And and so should they, because I don't think anybody should jump into a new uh, curriculum or sign on with a new curriculum developer or platform without getting a chance to try it first. That's true. But also, I think as teachers, we need to remember that the people developing these materials are teachers like us, and they're using their time to do this, um, to provide you with this lesson. So that's also got value. And right. And and you also have to take that with a grain of salt, because they're providing materials that work for them. And Mm -hmm. you may not have the same style of delivery or the same needs Mm -hmm. in your student base as what they have. Yeah. That's why the samples and the trial is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So we've talked about, we've talked about the rest now, obviously let's come on to, to your own, you know, company and your own website. So can you tell us a little bit more about your resource platform? Where can we find it? Uh, What are you offering? And obviously how can our listeners go there and start to make use of all these resources that you have, Crystal? Yeah, sure, Daniel. Um, So like I said, my idea was to provide a step-by-step curriculum. So I started out mapping all the skills that a student might need to go from real beginner straight through the spectrum. And I broke those down into seven levels and I broke those seven levels down into 12 units and matched units to themes and then created lessons within. So it is a cross-spectrum platform of over 650 lessons when it's done and it is still a work in progress. So mm-hmm. it's still on pre-launch pricing and like I say, it comes with the free trials. But the idea is to roll in all of the learning points that a student needs with a variety of activities and interact uh, interactions and um you know regular repetition to reinforce their learning and regular assessment to make the teacher's job in signposting learning that much easier Mm -hmm. so you can visit um either via google or my website direct address is esl-curriculum.com I also publish a monthly newsletter. So we usually have a theme of the month. This month, for example, is finding students because um, in order to sort of, I guess, drum up my own client base, I want to support teachers to make that leap into Mm -hmm. freelancing, you know, because I think it's a great opportunity for everyone who has an interest to just go for it. So I run an ESL or EAL freelance masterclass Facebook group where we're also talking this month about finding students and the three things, the the web platform, the newsletter and the Facebook group all sort of mesh together to just create like a home base. I like to think of it as a home base for freelance ESL teachers to find the support, the community and, and encouragement that they need. Great. Yeah. Yeah, we actually touched on this uh, in our previous episode about uh, recruiting, retaining students. So that is just such a a hot topic right now. So it's great to see that you're providing that support as well. Yeah, it is. It's it's difficult. I think um, the market's really saturated for ESL teachers. So you sort of have to go that extra mile to find Mm -hmm. students. But there's a lot of avenues you can take that um, are free. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. I think it's just all about differentiating yourself and, you know, Mm -hmm. I think building your brand, students invest in you, you know, and you need to make sure that you distinguish yourself from everyone else by saying, you know, this is what I offer. This is what I can do. And this is why you should learn with me. And yeah, exactly. And having other people say that about you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
All right. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today, Crystal. We've, I think we've both really learned a lot. And um, uh-huh. of course, we'll be happy to, you know, share the links for your uh, website. And, you know, we wish you every success with that. It sounds like a great idea. And I'm yeah. sure a lot of us will, you know, really benefit from that going forward. So thank you, Crystal. Thank you so oh, much. Thank mm-hmm. you both. This was fun and informative and yeah. a really, really great opportunity. So thanks. Well, thanks for sharing your unique insights and tips for fellow ESL teachers. And be sure to check out Crystal's website for inspiration. Yeah, absolutely. Please do support our fellow teachers who are participating in the podcast. And again, this is how we all learn from one another. Um, As always, remember to subscribe to receive the latest episodes each Wednesday. Uh, You can follow us on Instagram at ESL Talk Podcast, or you can send us an email to eslTalkPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, please feel free to reach out if you would like to share your passion and expertise in a future episode of the podcast as a guest. Yeah, and don't forget to tune in next Wednesday for another brand new episode. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes and to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for even more ESL teaching content. 